here we are episode 15 with a very very special guest somebody that i've kind of heard you know mutterings about back when i used to follow league of legends now he's not necessarily recently joined overwatch he's been in the scene for you know quite a few years which is curry shot the strategic coach of mayhem academy is that correct yep that's right. make it making sure that the title is correct correct joining me on episode 15 and i want to jump into a little bit of a story time so i like to do a little bit of a a, a dive into my my subject right and and look into some interesting facts you know i've scrolled through the twitter i've you know just done a brief scan and obviously you have your wikipedia page on league of legends subreddit and on there it mentions that you jumped off the andes mountains with a parachute um Walk me through either why, how, maybe some some memories of exactly what that was like. Could you could you could you give us a brief story time? Yeah, so it's kind of dark in the sense that okay. um, how I got there. I'll, I'll go back to the beginning. Okay? Sure, sure, sure. Um, I was in my freshman year of university, mm-hmm. and basically, like, I was playing a, a ton of league, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I remember I went back in the summer, and my parents saw how much league I was playing. Like every day, and I have really strict Indian parents, right? Sure. This is way back in the day when I was like 18, right? So it's been it's been a lot of years, right? <laughs> um, and they were really really strict, and they didn't like how much time I was spending uh, in front of the computer. Mm-hmm. So basically, uh, they sent me to another country, and to in South America, and I had to work like basically in an office warehouse, right? To basically um, make ends meet, right, or whatever, right? Sure. Um, so I, you know, they stopped paying for my uh, university and stuff like this. And basically, like instead of um, looking at all the negatives and stuff like this, I tried mm-hmm. to make the best out of the, that experience. Right? I was trying new foods, and then I, I realized like there was something I could do. I see, you know, I would see the the parachutes. Right? It's called um, the activity is called uh, parapenta in, in Spanish. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I always see them in, in the top. And then um, I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm I'm gonna go ahead and, and do it. Right? And when I did that. Uh, you know, it's, it's so weird, and this is going to sound really, really uh, dense, but, um, you know, the you, when you're up there, the atmosphere is round, believe it or not. You know, sure. it's, it's not, you know the, the earth is not flat, and uh, it, it made me think in a very, very different way in the sense mm. that, um, you know, when you're up there and you're you know, floating in the sky and everything, you see the sea, everything, like, it really, it gives you some sort of clarity, right, mm-hmm. in, in what you want to do. And immediately when I, when, I, when I realized, like, what am I doing, like, up here, like, I want to do this, etc. Um, I realized, like, you know, I, I really want to follow my dream, you know, mm-hmm. and be, uh, you know, a professional league coach. Mm-hmm. So basically, um, after that experience, I went back. I worked in that office warehouse for as long, you know, as 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 much as money as I could make. Sure. And then when I had enough money, I came back to the United States. And, um. I couldn't just, you know, go straight into league. Mm-hmm. I joined uh, at the age of 19. I joined uh, Legend Airlines as a creative technologist, where, um, you know, I worked there. And then in, during my lunch breaks, I used to write scripts and stuff like that, where I made the advanced tactic series mm-hmm. on um, League of Legends. And basically, after that, um, you know, that kicked off. You know, it would have like anywhere from 20 to 200,000 views. And then um, when that kicked off, basically a lot of teams were starting to show interest in mm-hmm. uh, having me coach their team. So basically, that activity, why it was so important for me is because I always remember the thoughts mm-hmm. that I had when I was up there. And as, as weird as that is. Like no, it's, it's you, you, not weird at all. Once you do it, you realize. Yeah, no, once I, you reali- when you, yeah. 
it, it really makes you think they're different. So do you, to, to kind of dive into that, because it's something that, um, I've recently, you know, I, I listened to some, some comedy podcasts. So comedians like Burt Kreischer and, um, that whole kind of scene uh, of comedy, you know, podcasts. And they talk about, um, Burt Kreischer in particular, this, this kind of a uh, big comedian, you may have seen his story of him in the Russian mafia kind of, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a story. Look it up. It's funny. Um, where he, he had a, a show on the travel channel where he would do all these like death defying, like roller coasters and, you know, doing what you, what you mentioned, you know, kind of like jumping off of stuff that are, you know, a human really shouldn't be jumping off of. And he, he talks about it over, um, Will Smith's most recent birthday. If you remember seeing yeah. that in the headlines, how he like jumped out of a helicopter into the Grand Canyon oh, right, for right, his like, right, 50th right. birthday. Jumps. Yeah, yeah. Jumps, right, right, right. And, he, and he, he kind of like adds commentary to it because he kind of connects with him. Bert kind of connects with Will Smith for a second. It's like, you don't really get to evaluate your life when you're put into a, if you're not put into a position where you're so close to dying. So you, do you yeah. kind of, does that kind of uh, make a little sense on uh, maybe why that is so, uh, you know, it, it has so much kind of uh, yeah. tranquility to it yeah it, it really puts things in, puts things into perspective right mm. so yeah i mean I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you i never was in like the the mafia or anything like this <laughs> like the worst thing i saw when i was in chile like in south mm -hmm. america i remember i was in a roundabout right sure and there was a bus right in front of me and then you know the where they store the luggage i saw some guy open the thing and start running and then the bus driver get out and just chase him around oh, the no. roundabout that's like that's like the weirdest thing I saw. But, but after that, you know, that that wasn't really life changing for me. That just like it's just something I remember because like what the hell, mm -hmm. like what? <laughs> well, like, well, at okay, what point in your of, life do you need to do this? But no, what I don't understand, the guy instead he, he was like running around the roundabout, run away. Or, you yeah, know, yeah. Like, something. First of all, don't see it. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> that, but but I mean like. Sure. What was the thought process, you know? <laughs> Not an advanced Maybe that's strategy. why I wanted to become a coach because I saw the thought you, process. You're already well. like, yo, if you're going to steal, go this way and do it, you know? Yeah. Like, there's a building. Maybe you, you have, like, a driver. You get away. I don't know. Like, something. Yeah, I, I don't know. This you're going to get silly. <laughs> so, like you mentioned, this kind of spurred the the drive and, and the motivation to really pursue your or your dreams of, you know, coaching in League of sure. Legends. Um, sure. which you were a player before and you know you've worked with a number of you know notable teams you know for for those of you remember you know back in the day of the you know team member if i remember correctly they had like a lot of um how you would say a lot of uh, resources available to them if i remember correctly um yeah. you know that's when they're quite know, wealthy yeah for sure it, obviously the the plan didn't pan out again yeah. happens you know league of legends relegations you know happens happens to the best <laughs> of us um you know working with team fusion which is a team that i did like because okay. oh you did what happened i don't it, it's been so long mm -hmm. that i honestly can't remember why i even bothered like okay l kind of looking at that and i was just like oh yeah i've, I've heard good things about fusions it might have been on like a podcast with like you know monty or thor and kind of like hyping him up or maybe i heard like kelsey moser talk about it i have no idea yeah. Um, but I remember, I remember hearing good things. I'm like, Oh yeah, I hope fusion does good. Like I remember who he, like on the early days, like hearing yeah. good things about him. Um, obviously Ember with Weldon again, heard good right. things, obviously didn't come to pass. And obviously, um, you worked with CLG, which, um, I've been a big fan of for a long time, kind of grew up watching them and appreciating them, 
um, even in their, you know, most troubling days. Um, yeah. You know, gotta, yeah, gotta stay, gotta stay faithful, you know? So, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, walk me through that whole league of legends experience, you know, uh, some of the highs, some of the lows, um, maybe some fa- not favorite players. Cause you know, that's a, that's a little bit uh touchy subject for coaches for sure. But you know, some, some of your most, uh, memorable, you know, most fond memories, we'll put it like that. Um, so with, with, uh, team fusion, it wasn't my first team, mm-hmm. you know, like I was, uh, uh, this is a player on um, the LCS expansion tournament, um, but then I started, you know, coaching. I coached a uh, final five, mm-hmm. and whenever I joined uh, the teams that I coached, I always um, joined. Um, basically, final five was, I believe, sixth place, and then uh, they got to second, mm-hmm. and then I got poached for fusion, um, and then they were fourth at the time, and then again we we went to second on that team. I've like historically joined teams that were. Um, like, like, I wanted like the challenge basically, right? Sure. Because um, same thing, like for instance, uh, you know how like, I'm going to use a battle royale as an example, right? Mm-hmm. For, you know, so it can be relatable, but you know, some people like they play a battle royale mm-hmm. and they just like run around and then try to like get as many kills and that's how they learn the game, right? If somebody hides the entire time, they're not going to learn the proper mechanics, right? Sure. So for me, same thing, like I took the challenge and I, I really wanted to communicate to people and then really understand the different uh, styles of learning, right? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it, it was it was really nice to do it this way. So League League of Legends for me was an entire like uh, learning experience, and I, I guess like that would be like one of my my favorite moments. Mm. Um, I, in terms of like players individually, uh, I loved working with um, Huhi. I, mm. I really did. And uh, as you know, you saw the comment about um, how when you know he was like right after we lost in in promotion LCS promotion match, I, I made a comment about how he would. Uh, basically be uh you know one of the best players and you know and um i made something a comment about faker and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh with him right relating to him and people were calling me crazy whatever um that um you can't make it you're just he's just a player uh you know how can you think this of him like he hasn't achieved anything or whatever and then later on at msi uh you'll see that he played versus faker mm-hmm. and then within the span of a, around a year and a half and he played versus faker and then they won versus them at MSI. So imagine that. The, the, no, not so many people had that faith as you know, CLG. Yeah. There you go. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, it did come to pass. And uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's not so much that, uh, like, I'm having blind faith in my players. It's because uh, it, it's just I know when I work with somebody, like, if they show me their best, I can see the best. And I can see, see like, how far they can go. And that's what I saw in him. Mm. When it came to, you know, I'll probably reference this interview a lot, so I'll definitely link it in, in the description. You did an interview with GameHouse where you talked about uh, your team, your, your time with Team Ember and working under, or, or I would say with uh, Weldon with, Green, yeah. um, who is this, you know, um, very notable. You know, I've heard everything from, you know, snake oil salesman to, you know, one of the best you know <laughs> support staff coaches I've ever worked with. You know, there is a varying degree of, of you know, how Weldon Green is viewed. Um, and, he, and again, for those of you who don't know, very um, prolific esports kind of uh, sports psychologist or, or sports psychology yeah. trainer. I, you know, I to his credit, I will have to correct myself because, you know, don't want to get him in trouble. Um, so as somebody who's worked directly with him... Um, what are your thoughts? Um, has you know, it seemed like he had a pretty big impact on you. Um, just a general kind of synopsis. 
he had a his perspective was really the the impact because it, mm. it opened up a new world of things that I had to think about, right? Sure. Um, so again, like I had a problem when I first started coaching, where I would show emotion and I would I would get really mad at uh, at somebody if if they had a different view or something like this, and a lot of coaches are like this. Sure. And that's just not the way the way to do it. So figuring out how the brain works and stuff like this and how people learn and how to control my emotions to get a point across. And then when you eliminate emotion mm-hmm. uh, through, you know, basically psychology, people learn really quick when emotions are involved. So an, an example would be like um, in a, in VOD review, right? Sure. I don't let the, I don't want my players to talk right away or sorry, after a game, after a scrim, right? To talk right away. They simmer for a minute, around a minute, uh, collect their thoughts and their emotions, and then they talk. So there's no outburst, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like, uh, yeah, with, with Weldon Green, uh, he taught me a lot about um, the perspective of sports psychology, of like how to prepare for a match and stuff like that. So it was definitely, um, you know, an experience. Mm. I hope that, did that answer your question? No, uh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Just, just, you know, I, you hear things, right? You, you hear things from every side, from the player side, from other, you know, sports psychologists. And yeah, it's, and it's an interesting perspective for somebody who's actually worked directly with him. Yeah. And I'm not, yeah. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying Weldon was perfect because of course. Uh, Who is? I'm not, I'm not throwing, I don't want to, I'm not throwing him under the bus, but mm-hmm. um, you know, everybody has their own issues. Of course. And of course. like, for instance, uh, I'm working with uh, Robert right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert, yep, he worked for Immortals back in league and now he's with uh, Misfits. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, he's a really good sports psychologist as well. Right. And uh, he kind of leaves, he, he's very focused on his job title as a sports psychologist and doesn't try to do in-game stuff, right? Mm. So um, both have their, their pros and cons. But um, yeah, you know, Weldon had a really good perspective, but um, nobody's perfect. Definitely, definitely. Totally agree. Now, you know, contrasting that as we kind of move away from League of Legends and your kind of, you know, timeline, um, we, we go from diving off a mountain with a parachute on, you know, having this <laughs> moment of clarity, like, oh, you know, League is, is our calling. And now we kind of transition to Overwatch. So how did that happen? Well, first of all, before we get into the Overwatch, please, I'm not saying, like, I can't wait for the Redditor going, you know what? I'm going to go jump off the mountain right now <laughs> yeah. with a parachute, you know? I want to be a pro player, pro. Yeah, yes. let's, let's go. Let's go. And I'm like, please don't. <laughs> okay, but yeah, going into Overwatch, uh, basically, uh, I started streaming, mm-hmm. and I was I was doing really, really well. Uh, I was uh, streaming with uh, Poklovs, who was a good friend back yeah. in uh, League. And, doing um, some sort of GTA RP thing now? Now, now, now he is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And... Um, it was going really successful, you know. I was I was averaging around twelve hundred viewers. I was really having fun with the game, mm-hmm. and at the time, I only played McCree and like Reaper, Tracer. Like I, I was only like a hit scan person, right? Sure. And I was pretty good at it. So people used to watch me, um, and yeah, it was it was going great. But um, I told myself that I needed a break from esports because I was doing it since two thousand and thirteen, mm-hmm. and you know that's. I think Overwatch came out in two thousand sixteen, right? Something like that. I'm, yeah, 2015 was like the announcement trailer. Oh, sorry. I meant like open to everybody. Yeah. yeah I yeah. think. It, oh, yeah. Yeah. It was like. 2016, like early, yeah, yeah. early 2016 sure. was like open beta. Something like that. Sure. 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 So I wanted a break from esports and streaming was going great. But, you know, you always get that competitive itch. Sure. Sure. And I'm somebody who loves to compete and somebody who, lo- who loves to like win. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't uh, hold myself back. So. Um, I didn't want to play again. Like I just, I wanted to to be the best coach I could be, and help people achieve their dreams. So, mm-hmm. as there, well as there is know, a yeah. there is a kind of a trait in in people that you know, 
kind of like a teacher trait, right? Where it's not about me. It's very selfless. And it's like, I want to give and try to help facilitate. Right. And, and is that something you've seen throughout your life or is this something as uh, we all get older and grayer and saggier, uh, something that you've kind of fell in love with this kind of like selfless attitude where it, it is about building people instead of just building yourself. It's it's something that I've always it's always been like it's for me it's always been like this like mm-hmm. you know I've I've had multiple opportunities to you know push myself forward in life and sure. and you know be at a different height but um it would be at the expense of somebody else and I could I can never do that mm-hmm. I can never do that like I always want to see other people succeed and um I think it's funny that you say this teacher trait because I hear this a lot all my my players they always say this. Like they call me, one of them calls me dad. So, Hey, it's, it's an important, you know, the way that it was kind of posed to me or, or somebody that had, had given me a, a very poignant quote was like, you have to be, you know, the, the, the disappointed father and like the doting mother. Right. Where yeah. that yeah, is, there is their relationship with the players that, you know, at times yeah. it's a balancing act, right? You have to be, you know, not aggressive, but you know, assertive. Right. I guess that would be the yeah. best word. Um, so yeah, I definitely understand that. But, and, and again, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I have it that you've joined uh, Euphoria, which was like an open division squad, I think 2017, yeah. 2018 open division. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. 2018. Now, was that the first team that you joined? Uh, yeah, it was. It okay. was. And uh, it was um, a lot of players who, who basically never made it uh, to a certain level mm-hmm. and they really wanted to. And I told them like, um, you know, we had, we're putting a, a big part of our lives apart. So you need to work really hard for this. It's not just going to happen to you. Sure. Sure. And, uh, we went forward and we did it. So, and I'm sure, I'm sure contender trials might not be a huge achievement, um, in terms for, you know, the general population when they see overwatch league and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But imagine being a player that, that, uh, you know, has tried for a year you know, like a year and then, you know, not been able to, to really succeed with it, but um, really putting this, the work and time apart to actually make it happen. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, my players always say in Euphoria, always say nice things about me or whatever, but truly like um, I hold like the utmost respect uh, for them. Yeah, they might not be in Overwatch League, but I don't like when I hear, oh, you know, he's 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 a good coach or here, you know, he was the best coach, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Because it really takes away value because they work just as hard and they need the credit too. Definitely, definitely. Now, how, yeah. how did you get in touch with One Point? How did that kind of, uh, you know, move start? And, and why exactly go to EU? Is this another one of those uh, challenge accepted kind of moments in your life? I mean, I've coached every region across multiple titles, really. But um, more so, it's it wasn't a challenge, Um you know, Reddit, Reddit is always going to, or the community is always <laughs> going to hate me for this. I always, sure. I always preface it with this because, ooh, the unpopular opinions uh, and the heat I get for this is is unreal. But um, I'm just being real. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, I had a paid paid NA offer, sure. and when I was traveling in EU uh, for a week, you know, I traveled with uh, Angry Titans, uh, One Point, and I really liked One Point. I realized like um, how far ahead they were at the time. Mm-hmm. And I took it as a as a time to really develop my my players myself to try to be the best team. Mm-hmm. And because of this, uh, you know, yeah, you know, I could have been waking up at a normal time in North America with a nice, you know, paid gig or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah, no challenge challenge accepted. And um, 
those players in, in in Europe and especially in one point they had they have nothing and they work so hard to try to get something and that's uh, you know that made me it motivated me as well and it was just re- reciprocated on both sides so you know I'm, I'm despite us you know getting first in our group and then fin- losing to Giganti mm-hmm. uh it's it's something I don't regret and those players also have a lot to be proud of yeah, I don't think it's, you know, shameful yeah. at all to lose to yeah. the eventual, you know, champion. That's, <laughs> not, that's, that's, that's almost something to rest your hat on. It's like, oh, well, if we didn't get, like, such a bad draw, maybe we would have won. Or maybe we would have done more successful. Or maybe we just didn't get sick on New Year's. Maybe we yeah. did even better, you know? Sick on New Year's, yeah. And I, maybe, I should, maybe I should tell the story, actually. <laughs> Go ahead you know if, you, if you want to. Okay, so the story is um, Hardest, uh, one of our players, told everybody, like, because uh, they wanted to go out for New Year's, right? Can we have this day off? We want to go out for New Year's. He's like, no, no, don't don't go out for New Year's. You're, you're going to get sick. And he's like, what? Like, no, we're just going to go out for New Year's or whatever, right? Four of our players get sick. And then, and then like, we can't, we scrimmed three times in the two weeks that went into our, into our final match. And, uh, you know, Hardest, he was somebody who, who didn't like to leave the house during the season because he, mm-hmm. he didn't, he's like really like so focused on winning that, he didn't want to get sick, so it was—it's was just funny to me that you know it actually happened. Looking back, obviously not in the moment, because that—that—that sh- that shit was depressing. Because like, <laughs> you know, being on top and being the best, and you know, I mean, at the time being the best and then mm-hmm. losing, it was not so good. Obviously, we weren't the best at the time. I'm not taking anything away from Gigante because they did play a better series than us. Um, but um, leading up to that, we were definitely playing a lot better. Fair enough. Fair enough. Now, from one point. We go back to NA, and is is this the paid gig? Is this the is this another challenge? Exactly what what drew you away from Europe and 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 to back to to North America? Was this more of a business move? Was this you know right fit, right time? Why exactly Mayhem Academy? Uh, I did have a lot of offers in Europe still, mm. um, as well as in NA, but um, basically. It was more so I have my my house here in North America, or whatever, and I, I realized like I needed a path a path up because um, I do when I was a streamer, for instance, I, I did not have the best uh, reputation because of how much fun I had in Solo Queue. I did not mm. troll, but I had a lot of fun in Solo Queue, sure. and then I needed a path up, and I needed to show show um you know what I had to offer basically, and you know when I tried out for these teams, I got uh, you know I got offers from them, and then I, I realized like uh, Mayhem you know was definitely one that. Uh, at the time, off, uh, offered me a path up, right? Mm-hmm. And um, basically, yeah, I, I, I decided that was good because I, I don't have anything uh, wrong with, because in one point I had to wake up at 4 a.m. every day, but sure. honestly, that didn't that didn't bother me a lot at all because I love starting my days off in the morning. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So Definitely. it didn't really bother me. So yeah, now actually this 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 kind of bothers me in a sense, like it's, it might, as weird as it sounds because in North America, like um, scrims start around like maybe one-ish, right? Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes they start at 10, and I like those days, 10 a.m. to, you know, like 3 p.m., right? Sure. Or something like this. But um, I don't like the schedule, like, if it goes to, like, 9 or 10, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, at, no. at night, it's yeah, it's not very good. Like, mentally, it's it's uh, for not, not for me, but also, like, uh, for some of the players, it can be draining. And uh, I also, like, I, I'm very strict in terms of, like, sleep schedules for my, mm-hmm. for my players. Mm-hmm. So I, I, it's really important that they get eight hours of sleep, right? Definitely. So... Um, that's why I'd, I'd like to have this kind of like set schedule, right? And you got stuff changing all the time, messes up with you know the way yeah. that you're and you're most productive. Works. Yeah, yeah, it's more you're more productive when you have a substantial amount of sleep. 
Mm. Now, we kind of talked about this uh, previously before the show, um, but I kind of wanted to dive into it. Um, Because you've worked in so many different regions in so many different titles, one thing that has popped up time and time again, um, or or is just something that maybe I have observed, is the the willingness to win in Europe seems to be such a core tenant of all the players that they, they don't care. We might not get along. We might have incredibly differing opinions, but when we're in game, we work together, right? It's, it's, oh, it's yeah. very professional. Whereas in North America, things are a little bit more, uh, laid back. Yeah. Yeah. Laid back would be a good way to phrase it. Um, yeah. Would you say that that's necessarily the case? Um, is that accurate? Would you say, um, and where do you think that kind of comes from? Where do you think that, um, is this more of a cultural thing or have you experienced this on the flip side where Europeans have been very laid back? Uh, I don't think I've experienced it in Europe, um, where they've been laid back. And I'm definitely not also saying that for instance, my team uh, right now, Mayhem, uh, like for instance, Mangachu, et cetera, like, um, Manhattan, uh, fact, I'm about to name the whole team (laughs) before I do that. Uh, um, they all work very hard, so mm-hmm. this is not uh, this is not uh, about them at all. I mean, it's it's more so about uh, some Just of the other general. teams that say in tier three uh, or that I've worked with that I, I can tell. Like, um, for instance, in in Europe, uh, they have they have nothing. They have so much to work for. Mm-hmm. For instance, and like in game, you know, some of my players like at one point were French, and then I remember in a HSL what I told them because they had uh, Hidan on the other team. And, you know, the French community is very close-knit. Sure, sure. I told them, you're not going to go into the lobby. You're not going to say hello. They're not your friend today. They're, they're your worst enemy because they're, they're competing for you for your dream. They can take that away from you. So they don't go to... They, they led the aggression. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things. And they didn't say hello. They were just focused. They were in their state of flow state of mind mm-hmm. and hyper-focus. And they went to the game and they, they we did what we needed to do. So having that attitude and that uh, not laid back um, mentality is, is really important. And, and I think uh, Europe uh, is, is really feeling it in terms of Overwatch because mm-hmm. of um, because of the limited opportunities that uh, they have. So I, I think uh, definitely um, no shade at Paris, but uh, there were a magnitude of um, Zarya's they could have picked, right? Hardest being one and, of them, maybe. Yeah, har- hardest. Uh, Oni God mm-hmm. uh, definitely being one of them. That... Um, you know, they they decided to put. Um, I'm sure Shadowburn was practicing hard, but he didn't previously play Zarya. You know, didn't have that Zarya exactly. experience, and they decided to put uh, Shadowburn on it, right? So it's 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 really heartbreaking to see the, mm. the amount of opportunities that these players don't have. Because uh, think about it. Um, if, you know, who don't know that um, Eagle Gaming didn't get uh, a lot of the players didn't even get tryouts after they won Contenders, mm-hmm. and that's what Contenders is for. It's for discovery. So imagine not winning contenders and then not Still getting the tryouts. Nothing. Yeah, that's th- that's really. And the, the that... fact that these players still keep working after yeah. that, think about it. They just keep going. They keep going. The Eagle, they didn't get paid even. That's the worst part. Mm-hmm. They, they won the thing. They weren't getting paid. And then they join another team and they keep going. They keep working at it and they try their hardest. It's, I mean, that's, that's how players. And, yeah. You have to respect that. No, yeah. you don't. You might not have to give them tryouts, but you have to respect that that tenacity and that 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 effort that's being put in, and they're going to make you recognize them at some point. It might not be this season, it might not be next season, but at some point, you're going to recognize them as they've been putting in the work. The least I can do is just give them a tryout. Yeah, and there's a lot of players in North America like this too. Sure, it's not course, just exclusive to region, 
but it's something that I've noticed in my time in Europe. Definitely. And this is why, like, I, and I, I love to look at the other regions. I'm not, uh, I never want to be close-minded. Mm-hmm. I'll never say X region is better than X region. Maybe at a time it is. Sure. But the, every, every, any region can win at a certain time. They just have to play the better game and they have to, um, just focus on their mistakes and fix them. That's it. Mm. It's more, more so like, um, play to your strengths. Definitely. Right. I want to write that down because that's something maybe we can go back and uh, talk on to strength. Um, Europe in particular, not a region in Overwatch that has a ton of resources behind it. Do you kind of foresee in the future some of the best players coming from there because of that fact? Because they are just going to be, there are going to be that select few that are are entirely dedicated that have this incredible work, work ethic that don't really want anything but to be the best do you think this is just like a, a silent ticking time bomb until we just see you know the next bjergsen of overwatch come out and, and start smashing a eh? you think that's gonna happen it's i i can't i can't really say because sure. um the amount of resources like you said are, are very low in, in europe so mm-hmm. maybe but um like for instance uh in league at this time tier two people are making six figures sure. in, in league right and the amount of I'm not saying spoil Overwatch and pay all the tier two players <laughs> course, six figures, but uh, like a lot of these players aren't even paid mm-hmm. and they're still trying their you know their hardest. So hopefully, hopefully they do they do get picked up. Like I mean, but uh, you know it's something that needs to be worked on consistently in uh, tier definitely. two. And you know we we definitely will uh, make it better because um, you know I do I do respect uh, this uh, Jane a lot because mm-hmm. think about it. He doesn't owe anybody anything, but he went. He made. He went to Overwatch League, and he's always giving back to the tier two scene and helping develop it. And we need more people like this. Definitely, you have to. You have to respect. You know, shining a light, even if, even if a small one. You know, just a, a small tournament to, to kind of showcase who's got what. Win. Right? Yeah. You, it, yeah. That, that matters. The future, future champions. champions. There we go. There just we go. Just saw Decod post about that. Shoutouts to. Tim, I don't know if they necessarily did all that well. It's just a brief one, you know. No offense, Dean, yeah. if you ended up losing, you know, yeah. no shade, no shade. Um, on that same note, I wanted to talk a little bit about the the showdown events. Do you think this could be the highlight needed for Europe to kind of come out? Not necessarily saying, you know, no blanket statement saying, oh, Europe's going to beat everybody, but will this put more of a foot forward for you know the potential next? Eagle Gaming to kind of come out and, and really showcase what, what they have on the near worlds level? Yeah, I definitely think it could be an event that could uh, showcase that. Just like you like we see in World Cup, right? Mm-hmm. We need more events like this, and I, I think this is definitely a step in the right direction. Because, um, yeah, like I said, there are a lot of players um, who will get that spotlight. And uh, a lot of players in North America as well will uh, you know get to play and practice versus uh, players from Europe. And it'll be a fun event. It'll be a, it will definitely be a fun event um, for both sides because I definitely think uh, <clears throat> it'll it can be close. Sure. It's just um, whoever works harder and prepares the best uh, would win. Now, as somebody who's coached both both spectrums of the pond, you know I, I've I've been trying to hype this up because it doesn't <laughs> seem like uh, anybody's paying attention. But you know, guys, Overwatch's season is going to be so crazy. We have. You know, the seasonal finals for season two, and then we immediately go into contenders, you know, the LAN events into, you know, qualifying and and getting those storylines rotated out for the gauntlet towards, I think, the end of the year. Um, So if there was a team that Mayhem Academy, you know, like 
hypothetical, right? And, and to be fair, you guys are putting yourself in pretty good position to yeah. come to the Atlantic showdown. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Is there a team you want to, you know, see across the stage? Is there, is there a, a team out there that you want to, you know, definitely, you know, test your uh, medal against? Yeah, I definitely want to play versus uh, Giganti. Okay. I want to knock them down a peg, specifically uh, Devin. All right. That's again. Yeah. That's a name that is uh, thrown out as uh, a <laughs> as an Overwatch League free agent. That uh, again parroted a lot. Again, I think solid player could be put on teams, um, but is obviously thrown around a little bit more than uh, maybe is warranted it seems like everybody wants him on every team and right we're not necessarily trying to take any kind of nuance to this discussion it's just like put him on any team i don't care um and there are some other european players that definitely deserve slots as well so. yeah and i think uh, another team i'd like to play versus is uh, british hurricane mm -hmm. uh i have nothing but uh, respect for happy cool and numlocked numlocked is actually people uh don't realize how good he actually is because he didn't get to play. Exactly. This guy, this guy is really, really good at main tank, and hopefully he gets his opportunity. He's a, he's a bit of a, you know, gotta love the Brits. You know, we've got Cruz and Owl yeah. talking a little ish. Numlock, you know. As long as he keeps working hard, he will definitely um, exactly. succeed. So hopefully. Very marketable, I would say, you know. Yeah. Get him on your team. He's gonna, he's gonna definitely, definitely impress. Not only on the server, but outside of it as well. Yeah. Um, but you recently, well, not really all that recently, but you, you had this interview with game house and you, you talk about something that is kind of brought up a lot, um, about how sometimes there, there is an opinion that a, a coach needs to have some sort of, uh, you know, high mechanical skill or, or you know, ha be very good at the game that they, um, coach, right? Yeah. So if, if you're good at Overwatch, it, it, it gives you a skill set that would lend itself to being a good coach. Would you necessarily agree with that? Would you say that it's necessary, though? Yeah, it depends on the on the coach that you want to be. But exactly. uh, if you want to do strategy, um, you know, I've, I've hit a top 500 in every role, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't say this to boost, like boost my ego or anything like this. I say this because, like, it helps me learn micro. I can talk to my players, speak the same language, and there's no there's no loss of like interpretation or anything like this mm -hmm. we know exactly what we're talking about right um and that's why you know i think it's necessary it helps me understand each role and it, it definitely is an advantage because if you think about a, a person who's watching vods who does not play the game right mm -hmm. what, what it tells me is like if you don't understand bubbles if you don't understand uh, matrix if you don't understand um, a certain uh, mechanic when it comes to a character especially in goats right that means when you're reviewing these uh vods you don't know what to look for Imagine like, okay, well, yeah, I'm watching the VOD, something happens, and you don't play the game, let's say, right? Mm -hmm. Or you play it like at the, if you're gold, right? Sure. And it's it's very, very basic, and there's there's no there's no understanding, you know, and and that's why I think from a strategy point of view, it is important. But I I think um the quote sometimes gets taken out of context of because if you are a performance coach or if you're trying to bring out you know the best in terms of uh, psychologically like a sports psychologist or something like that like a like that kind of coach mm -hmm. then obviously like you don't need to be top 500 to to you know coach in that regard right um, you can enable your players in a different way you add value in a different way right mm -hmm. so yeah I, I do think it's it's necessary to an extent and that's why i mean i talked to you know a few few um, of uh, the other coaches and sure. uh, yeah some some disagree and some agree 
Definitely. And again, it's it's not something that I think is a hard and fast. I don't think it's necessarily a law, but it, it's yeah. something that kind of pops up every now and then and nobody really gives too much explanation to what they're saying. And, and yeah. when I saw that, I'm like, okay, this is an interesting talking point because we can really get into where exactly this is necessary and where it isn't. Like you said, if you're yeah. like a head coach uh, before the show, you brought up, you know, coma is this, you know, right. mother figure and yes, SKT is famous, you know, legendary, almost um, league of legends coach kind of goes around, you know, piglet, you're drunk or, or peanut. You're, you're, you're a little, you know, intoxicated. Come on off the stream, buddy. You know, we don't necessarily need to, you know, put that out there. Um, oh, I remember that. And, you know, he has this, you know, minor background in, in, in pro gaming when it goes back to StarCraft 2. But, you know, in League of Legends, he wasn't necessarily known for being this huge brain, massive, you know, strategic yeah. coach. He has somebody yeah. else do that for him. And he's kind of the dad of the team, right? He takes care of people. Yeah, he has a strategic coach. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that guy, I would assume, probably has some experience playing at a high level. He does, yeah, of course, of course, and a lot of these players, like, um, for instance, uh, TSM right now, they have Lust Boy. Um, sure. And a lot of there's a lot of player coaches that uh, have the experience, and uh, same in like uh, traditional sports. I mm -hmm. mean, I mean, there are a lot that don't too, but um, you have to figure out in what way do they add value. That's why sometimes these coaches they mm -hmm. do well because sometimes they need that coach who who does more of the performance and sports psychology sort of things. Um, and sometimes they need that coach who needs to do the strategy. Definitely, it depends. It depends on the team. It's always different. Mm -hmm. So yes, it can, can work. You can be a head coach and not uh, play at the highest level, but uh, it depends on what your team needs. Definitely. Because you know, I've been on teams that do need that. I've been on teams that don't need that. And I've been on teams that have that somewhere in between. I've even been on teams that, even though I'm not a qualified, uh, like I don't have a master's in sports psychologist, I, sure. I do did a lot of work of like years of experience with this, right? I need. I sometimes I'm a, I'm in a team that needs that, to put them in in the right state of mind. And mm -hmm. I mean, I'm gonna go ahead and touch up on again, touch up on it again, uh, because I, I see a lot of coaches like um, who are not uh, really paying attention to that, and and I, they really need. Sometimes the team really needs that. Mm -hmm. So like think about going into a game and and not being in the correct state of mind. Like I see some teams warming up straight away, right, and going into their game right away. I'm gonna use an an example of like Michael Phelps, right, the Olympic sure, swimmer, sure. where he doesn't do a lap, you know, and then get out of the pool. And then as soon as, the, you know, he gets out of the pool, the, the gun blows, whatever, and he jumps back into the pool, right? Mm -hmm. The official race doesn't start then, right? You know, he listens to music, uh, you know, Lil Wayne, right? Uh, and goes, uh, you know, gets into a flow state of mind, basically. You know, he gets into a state of hyper-focus. So this, the same thing, like imagine like uh, just scrolling Discord, uh, Twitter, and stuff like this before a game, and not really keeping your mind focused on what you learned, mm -hmm. right? So like, yeah... Definitely, definitely wanted to to point that out just because some teams definitely need sports psychology coaching too, sure, and that's yeah. one of those one of those fields that is just not looked at in uh, Overwatch, and that's why you see a lot of um, comments or something like this whenever you know you see a Reddit or something, right? Where you'll see, um, you know, teams are on burnout. Why is there no sports psychologist? And then you'll see, like for instance, Defran, you know, who did mm -hmm. talk to a sports psychologist, and he had a pretty good season sure, for yeah. being you know his first season. Definitely, and it definitely helped him. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And you know, there are a lot of teams that ignore it and then they burn out and then there's just internal conflicts. Definitely. And, you know, that's 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 not so good. So when Reddit, Reddit the, the users are actually smart on that one, I will say. I definitely agree. Um, I I think it is kind of used as a scapegoat sometimes, I, I will say. It can be. You know it what can I mean? Be. Like, it, it it's can just be. thrown yeah. out there, like we mentioned before the show, like, oh, well, it's the comms or the issue. 
I mean, it, yeah. it might be, but there's probably also a, a myriad of other, you know, problems or and issues that are, are ailing the team. Whereas we can't just throw a, a sports psychologist at the problem and, and miraculously get fixed because there might be other yeah. underlying issues. So like, right, I exactly. totally agree that like, it's super yeah. healthy for a team to have that and, and have somebody that yeah. understands how the human brain works and, and understands mm -hmm. that physiology. Uh, but, I, but I do find it odd oh, of course yeah that, of course and that's what like, we said oh, some... well look at look at astralis yeah. like they have a sports psychologist and how good they're doing <laughs> no no I, I definitely that's why i said like some teams need exactly this, some teams need, yeah exactly. so like in some cases you do need it in some cases yeah it might not be the major factor mm -hmm. but um yeah in some cases it is so so when we're talking about this this you know strategic coach needing to at least be at a certain level um I wanted to kind of throw some very typical talking points you might hear if you posted this on Twitter and you get those, you know, armchair. Oh, I learned my lesson, so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not posting that on Twitter ever again. <laughs> so the typical responses you'd hear is like, you know, like um, you could you could know the game without being skilled at executing the mechanics, or that's just one style of coaching, which I think we touched on to be fair. Um, yeah. Or or talking about how many of the coaches again have found success and haven't been very skilled at the game again, which we've touched on. It's, it's different roles sometimes. And, and yeah. some, some of the coaches that still are in that role don't necessarily have to kind of um, don't meet that criteria, but still do well. Would you kind of assume that they're maybe the exception? Maybe they've just, you know, have a knack for it. You know, where, where do these talking points kind of lead in your mind? Uh, can you say that again? So first um, we'll go with, you know, uh, you can't know the game, or you can know the game. I'm sorry, you can know the game yeah. without being skilled at executing the mechanics. Where, where okay. is that going to lead to? Um, I mean, it it depends in terms of macro. Yeah, it's it's possible, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, but in terms of like, at some point, micro will tie into macro. You sure, know, that's sure. that's what I've learned in in both games, because it can like, for instance, in league, one game, one little mistake, in like if you if you push a wave like, in the time when lane swaps were a thing, mm. it could it could make it so like, you know, your, your top laner is screwed for the next 25 minutes of the game. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like they just freeze a wave and he doesn't do anything and he's down two levels and then it's it's terrible, right? Um, same thing, like uh, in, in uh, Overwatch, it can tie into um, macro, especially in GOATs, right? Mm. So yeah, like like again, if you don't know what to look for, then it's it can be pretty yeah, catastrophic. So like... Uh, if you don't play Zarya and you've never seen it before and you don't understand uh, what a bubble does, and then you know you miss somebody misuses a bubble and you don't identify that because you don't know what you're looking for, right? Mm. It, it can be a problem. Definitely. And to, and to be fair, we we have kind of touched on the other two where you know that's just one side of coach, which you know. Yeah, yeah, it, it, exactly, it's, exactly. It's, it depends I mean, on the role. Yeah, and and that's what I'm saying. Like, I think some some coaches. Uh, I first of all, it's it was just an opinion, right? Of like, course, yeah. Nobody should ever take offense to it because I'm I was res responding to somebody's tweet. Definitely, and I gave my opinion, right? Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, like uh, it it shouldn't be like uh, my my whatever I say is not like a law. You know what I mean? Of course. Of course. As much as a person might may or may not look up to me, it's it's mm -hmm. not like that. Like you can prove me wrong if you want. I mean, mm -hmm. it's it's just my opinion. That's all it is. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Now, within that same interview. Um, you mentioned that, uh, you just happen to have a lot of unpopular opinions. Oh yeah, I do. What, uh, what kind of comes to your mind? What, what, what's, uh, what's something that you've recently thrown at somebody and was like, Oh, I totally disagree. Or, you know, what's, what's some unpopular opinions you've got mulling around in your head these days? 
I have so many, but you know, obviously, obviously I have to um, be very careful with what I say. Of course, yeah. Again. But I'll, I'll just use, no, I'll just no use baiting. the, yeah, yeah. I'll just use the the cop out answer. But um, you know, I, I I usually like to to be very real with. Um, that's why you know, I there's a lot of the stuff I say I don't fabricate it or mm-hmm, whatever mm-hmm. to please an audience. I just want to be real because. Um, like for instance, what I'm about to say will help the community a lot, right? So, when uh, in NA here, um, there are a lot of times when a team cancels on another team, right? Mm. And um, in league, if a team cancels on another team, uh, the teams that were double booked, right? So usually cancels happen when a team double books, right? right? So they're like, oh, I double booked a scrim, and we're scrimming these guys instead, right? They would scrim both the. Uh, teams that were double booked on would scrim each other instead and the person who made the mistake and double booked right mm-hmm. wouldn't get a scrim right. because it was their mistake mm-hmm. and then so it doesn't screw one person out of the the practice basically so like for instance uh there are a lot of people who are late or there are a lot of people in uh tier two right now who are just canceling streams consistently mm-hmm. and th- this needs to be a thing because it, it will teach uh people like to be either on time and it'll teach them to be better managers Definitely. it's better in the long term so it's it's a very it's a very hot take but um obviously there there's some situations where they might be screaming the team that you're playing in the upcoming week's match mm-hmm. and you can't really scream them right but uh most of the time that's not the case so Definitely, definitely. Um, to talk about uh, the overwatch league for a moment you had mentioned that um, playing for your strengths is something that um, and, and, and feel free to step in if I'm misquoting you at all. Uh, but playing for your strengths is something that uh, is important, right? Yeah. And we've seen a team like Chengdu, the Chengdu Hunters, come out and almost take that to the nth degree, right? Where they're they're kind of adding their own interesting style to the metagame at the moment. Um, would you say that right. that's something that teams could explore a little bit more, where they don't necessarily have to play goats or or this this hard and fast? Uh, metagame composition where if they meet these criteria, do you think that this could be explored a little bit more and strategies could be a little bit more uh, diverse? Yeah, and um, definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that uh, separates us right now, like in contenders, mm-hmm. is it leads up to this point. It's like um, it's better. It's something I always tell my players uh, as soon as I join the team. It's better to innovate rather than imitate, mm-hmm. right? So because of this, yeah, I mean, Chengdu is doing great and it's it's really playing to your strengths, like you said. Mm. So yeah, a lot of teams, they, they can do this. And that's why like um, in League, for instance, this year, mm-hmm. uh, teams are playing their own style, uh, NA Clown Fiesta style, for instance, right? <laughs> Where they were just like, it was just random, just everything. Super right? chaos, and, yeah, yeah. And then they, for the first year and in, in six years, they beat uh, Korean teams. Yeah. And they actually made it to, uh, I believe it was quarters and then semis or something like that, something right? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. So, really, like, um, yeah, it, it definitely is doable. But um, the way I look at it is if you try to copy the, you know, the original, right, you'll never be as good. The exactly. prototype, you'll never be as good. So, yeah, it, it is it is doable. And that's why, like, for instance, with GOATS, it was, you know, all, ever-changing for, for when it came out. Yeah, it started with Moria, went to Ana, went to Zen, mm-hmm. and then uh, stuck to Zen. Uh, you know, they saw a little bit of Sombra, but... Um, that's very situational, but uh, you know, there, there's a lot of different variations uh, with floats. Even when uh, WGS um, came mm-hmm. out with it um, in Korea, right, and uh, their contenders trials um, uh, with the monkey goats, basically with yeah. floats. Uh, and then um, you know, you see different variations with uh, Moira Moira floats, right? Um, 
there, there's many variations and uh, that's really how you innovate. So yeah, the comp might be good, but they're different variations. So instead of morphing it, never do something random, right? With, with I don't know, five tanks and a Lucio. Sure. Although that was a thing once upon a time. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's, it, you can, you can do it. Mm-hmm. And you know, now see, see that, that actually proved my point because five five tanks and Lucio for a small part of the of the time when Rialto was first uh, introduced was okay. It was okay to run a s- stupid comp like this, and it worked, right? So that that's further proves my point. You know what I mean? Definitely, definitely. You know, there there yeah. is that the innovation, and and every so often you see a team, you know, a team that you'd probably be very familiar with, Windstrike at the time, oh, exclusively yeah. running the May. How how annoying is that to figure out and, and to, to break your players again, you know? <laughs> I, I, I may have okay. just given him a migraine. Oh, sorry, yeah. I mean, <laughs> sorry. You're giving me some flashbacks right oh, now. Okay, fair enough. Okay, so so basically uh, with Windstrike, it, it took us around three weeks to figure them out. Imagine screaming them three weeks and just losing, losing, losing. <laughs> oh my god, that was frustrating, man. That was, oof. Not, not a good time. I can only imagine that. And I, and I talk to some of the players and, and I'd like to do contenders interviews because A, they're way more, you know, uh, feasible to, to get in touch with because I don't have to go through sure. PR firms and this, that, the other thing. It's just like, hey, do you want to do an interview? Yes, no. Um, sure. And that was always one thing that I thought was really interesting. It's like, you know, how do you guys prepare for Windstrike? Because this, like, there's no way that anybody plays this as good as they do. And you don't want to just scrim them a week before you play them. So, like, how are you going about practicing for this? And I can only imagine some of the owl teams are approaching Chengdu like this as well, where it's just like, oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. What do you do with monkey, or what do you do with this ball comp? Like, who plays this as good as anybody? Like, yeah, think think about it. You never you never scrim it because Mm -hmm. you exactly you just no nobody else is playing this this shit. So like, yeah, definitely. Like, um, it was uh. It was lucky though because um, at the same time it wasn't lucky. It was strategy where um, I wanted to we wanted to scrim them because we need to figure it out. Imagine sure, imagine we we're there in the, our side of the like uh, playoff bracket mm-hmm. and we didn't scrim them at all. So yeah, no other team plays it, but we needed to figure it out because we were comfortable versus other teams. We understood goats and um, we were at such a high level that um, you know we were just winning everything. So uh, we we really wanted to practice versus this. Definitely, definitely. And you mentioned Sombra in you know a previous question um and i've heard some some stirrings especially from some european coaches that um maybe sombra maybe their opinion on sombra isn't as high as maybe the overwatch league coaches so oh yeah where yeah, where yeah. do you kind of fall on that that scale is sombra good or sombra bad are we somewhere in the middle where where do you think the sombra fad has come from is it good is it bad? Uh, well, the Sombra fad came from, it was even before, back in October, some of the Korean teams were, were playing the Sombra variant mm-hmm. back then as well. Just people didn't really pay attention to it too much. They don't even play it on maps like Hanamura and stuff like this. But mm-hmm. um, I, I definitely am more on the other side where I don't think it's actually that great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think there are situations where it could work. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think um, you know, not having the D.Va is... Is, is really rough. I mean, Diva offers a lot more as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're playing Goats v. Goats, if the other team knows how to play correctly and they play fast, like, it's it's very difficult to pull that off. Because that's how you play versus Sombra. You have to play fast. Right. And that's why, like, when somebody sees the Sombra, they kind of just, they don't know what to do. And at first, people were, like, having trouble figuring it out, but eventually they did. And, well, at least in, um, no leaks, but, I mean, like, obviously, like, in, like, that's not what some, some of the teams figure out. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And And, again, that's something that, you know, it seems like as this as some of the series progressed, most notably, I thought that um, London and Paris throughout that entire match, it felt like Paris 
kind of understood exactly how to deal with this. It felt like after halftime, especially on route, um, mm-hmm. they felt like it, it felt like they were way more comfortable playing a little bit more aggressive into that somber comp. And then they, they found a lot of success with it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So is it that, you know, maybe there isn't like this, this hyper strong goats team to kind of punish those somber compositions is it a lack of understanding. Is that, I think there is, that there, is a, there, there is a lack of understanding and I see a lot of uh, mistakes and all. Mm. And again, I'm just being real again. I have of those course, unpopular yeah. opinions. I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm not acting like I'm better than anyone else because that's not my, my goal. But uh, from my analytical perspective, yeah, there are a lot of mistakes. Like for instance, on uh, Dorado, like, um, you know, there are a lot of teams not even using fakes, right? Where in, 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 um like, for instance, if somebody's spawn holding you on uh, Dorado, I'll use this example, mm-hmm. uh, since it's not in our map pool. I mean, it's, it's actually, <laughs> but uh, uh, if people are spawn holding on defense, right, on red, mm-hmm. on the red building in Dorado, um, people will just go to the payload and go in. You know, that you could fake to, to the stairs, and then eventually the way the meta evolved is people would then uh, realize, like, okay, we can't give them stairs, so they'd meet them at stairs, and so they couldn't go that way, and they'd choke them out. And then, uh, you know, what teams, well, you know, what we did was also just double fake. So we would go to payload, go through the stairs, and try to meet us at stairs, and then we'd go through the red building so you and come out the other side. So you for free, basically. Yeah, they were on the stairs, and then we, we got the corner, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they couldn't play the corner. The Ryan couldn't play the corner. Since we double faked into red and came out, they were forced back. And ba- the whole point of it also was to get that, um, you know, two two fights in, right? And try to burn as much time off the clock, right? Of and um, they weren't able to do that. They only got one fight because of um, the double fake. So, like, there are a lot of things that I'm seeing that um, some of the teams are not understanding in terms of fakes, in terms of pathing, mm-hmm. in terms of pathing versus certain, certain ultimates. Uh, people are just running it down mid sometimes, um, not paying attention to, okay, they have grab, we can't go this way, there's a wall right here, they can just grab the wall, you can't even pass, it's like the freeze, they can't even eat the grab, or we can't even eat, eat the grab. So I see these kind of rudimentary mistakes. I, I, I definitely think um, you know there's a layer that's missing in some of the teams. I mean, they're also they're, on the flip side, though, there are also a lot of teams that are really impressive, that being uh, San Francisco Shock, mm. I think are a very underrated team. I think there's a uh, super... Um, it's probably one of the best main tanks right now in the league, by the way. And he gets no no credit. Nope. Um, he's starting to. He's starting to, but um, he gets no credit. But he he's he's not a KD player. That's why his stats might not look amazing, but um, he definitely knows what he's doing. And then uh, Vancouver as well, uh, definitely uh, showing a good understanding of, of the meta. I don't know how much you've necessarily, because obviously you have the, you know, the, the contenders gig, and that's kind of priority number one. Um, but Vancouver is a team that... Um, has drawn the ire of some, but the obviously the the fandom of you know the the runaway crowd has been right, right, right. with them for almost ever. Um, where do you kind of fall on Bumper as as a as a very analytical coach? Where 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 is that team style going in the future? Do you think it's um, exploitable? Oh yeah, I mean, honestly, like it feels like when I watch Bumper, sometimes I just don't understand how some of the stuff works. He he's like legit at their spawn like trolling or sometimes just charging like randomly like mm. um you know what works works i'm sure that's his play style but um sure sure i mean that's my analytical perspective <laughs> like uh i guess like um he's a very unorthodox player mm. but uh in terms of analyzing his gameplay like i'm not going to tell my fact function you charge into the team 1v6 like sometimes or hide back here when they have the one, one time i saw him i saw him hide mm. when they had a sombra so like work? okay yeah he was, he was trying to hide yeah. right and make like a flank shatter but the they have a somber I mean, they, 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 yeah, they, yeah they probably will see you right so I'm like thinking like how does that and then he just dies and I'm like well, well surprise like, yeah. <laughs> I didn't see that guys. one coming you know, yeah. like 
or his his famous you know charge into 180 shatters where it's just like how intuitive are you gonna get buddy like this is yeah. i i don't even know that you understand what you're doing it's just your team supports yeah. you very well and you're just going for you know these flashy plays and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't you know see and that's that's the thing like i'm, I'm saying the mistakes i mean there's obviously a lot of, of good course, of good, good part to, obviously he won the stage but um mm-hmm. him and his team won the stage so i mean there's a lot of good as well but um in terms of uh, in good uh, yeah i mean ryan plays ryan plays okay in that regard but um yeah, I'm just the mistakes really stick out. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> you can't ignore the mistakes. No, of course, it's a very, I, I can, very clear you know, place though. Yeah, you know, I want to know the first thought that um, I thought like when I when I saw like him charging one v six, I was like, he's been watching my stream. <laughs> <laughs> the cinematic Ryan. There you go. There We're go. trying to get the plays. Trying to get the yeah. play the games. Yeah, I was like, well, oh no, I see myself in you. That's not a good thing though. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> so you you mentioned in a an article uh, with a good friend of mine, Yiska, talking about like the new the new patch and and where we right, right, headed. Right. Um, obviously, you guys are probably going to be playing on the playoffs, so not a ton of time probably invested into that. But you know, just kind of your thoughts. I know uh, Winston Soldier Sombra has been thrown all around a lot. Bunker is what I kind of went to when I saw these changes. Now, obviously, oh, Orisa. Orisa Soldier, maybe even a Baptiste Junkrat, maybe. Yeah playing on defense, not necessarily attack. I don't know. What's your thoughts? Man, Orisa, Orisa Baptiste seems to be very, very strong. Mm. Um, right now, these, these bunker comps do seem very strong. Um, so most likely we'll see this. I, I do like Winston, the Winston change too. You know, I've got to try a bit of it. Um, I, I think overall, like, it's, it's too early to say, but uh, that's that's what I really like about it right now. It's more so like Winston and the Orisa comps. Mm. But I'm, what I'm really hoping for is, like, Ash to come into play because I feel like that's that would be a really fun hero, both to you know have strategy around mm-hmm. and also to spectate. I th- I think it would be it would be very very uh, good. Like it's it's like a mix between Widow and McCree, and um, McCree is fun to watch. Widow at at some point you know people are complaining about goats but they don't remember the mercy meta where mm-hmm. so many people were complaining about sniper res sniper res like it was it's the same thing. So so basically like I I don't want to spectate a meta like this. So hopefully you know. Um, We'll see that, but at the same time, I I do I another hot take is like I I really like Goat's meta. I I really do. It it's like a very mobile kind of um Again, feel to it. That's where I was gonna go. It's like it goes yeah. back to your wheelhouse where it is resource yeah. trading. It's management of resources and, and investing yeah. in, in certain areas and not investing in others. And like you have to also like realize like Overwatch is a really fast paced game, but oh, this yeah. meta slows it slows it down, you know, and it makes it when you know and that's the other thing when you know what to look for, mm-hmm. it's like. It's like a dance, really. Like uh, it's like a beautiful dance, like from an ana- analytical analytical perspective. There's the ebb and flow, you know, like a yep. wave. And when you understand the game and you see it like this, it's it's it was it's really good. And you come up with the strategies. Like my mind is always working, and that's why, like in terms of um, pathing, you know, sometimes we take very very weird routes. You know, we don't just go down the same place every time. But um, there's there's thought to this, you know, method to this madness, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, teams uh, start to copy, and then like, but yeah it's 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 really good i mean to your to your credit um i think it was even featured in the game house interview um one point doing the speed across the pond on lijang oh yeah 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 yeah. that was a big one that i personally hadn't seen up until that point you know i try to keep up with as many contenders regions as possible but yeah you know, that one slipped through even even on dorado even on, 
Yeah, exactly. And like I said, the fake Sonderado. Exactly. Or like, like um, the way I'll explain it, why mobile mobile mentality comes to this, because it'll be it'll be. I think it was ZPU made the quote that even after after mm -hmm. this meta, it'll be really good in dive. It'll increase the level of play. Yeah. Where like um, when you do fakes, for instance, you have to think about it in league. You know the rewards, right? So if you put like let's say you're playing mid lane and you put a ward on the right, mm -hmm. right, a pink ward, you feel safe, so you play towards that side. Or if you put a pink ward on the other side, or a ward on this side and then put a pink ward on the other then uh, basically um, the laner is going to think, well, he put a ward here and he's hugging this side. So if I'm playing on this side, I'm going to go to this side, right? Mm -hmm. So it puts, it puts the, in the terms of psychology, it will always make the other team go to a certain side and then you can take the space for free or you can uh, catch somebody out if they don't rotate correctly, mm -hmm. especially in GOATs, right? Because if you, if you make a wrong play, your, front, your back line can become your front line. Yep. That's basically um, kind of the mind games to it when ults are not involved. So first fight, this is something that's really important. It, it's, you know, GOATS has been, love it or hate it, it, it has left a, a lasting impact. Like ZP said, I think Sideshow had a very poignant quote, very much in the same line, where um, it, it at least has taught us something. Whether you like it or not, it's taught uh, the viewers, the players, something uh, very important about Overwatch and, and really pushing the... The, the management of these resources and, and, and right. not making them so, you know, um, so just constantly used and not really thought about and not put exactly, exactly, to exactly when and where we're using them. Um, you it, use a bubble like just randomly, you get punished for it exactly. if you're playing versus a good team. Yep. So, yeah, exactly. You don't you have to think about everything. And that's what I like about it, because before it was just like, uh, shoot, like I'm not, yeah. not trying to take away skill, skill but I mean, sure. Um, there was different strategy was a lot different, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? But now, now the strategy has evolved, and that's why now it won't. When the shooting meta comes back, I'm calling it the shooting meta, I can't believe it. <laughs> when FPS meta comes back, we'll call sure. it that. Um, basically, um, there'll be more strategy than just point and click, definitely. You know, there'll be there'll be that strategy where, um, you know, trading movements, which was already a strategy, but uh, there'll be more advanced methods to this. So, mm -hmm. and you know, I have a few things in mind too, I'm not going to leak it, but uh, no, no. You know, just just like um you saw something like uh the one point thing or whatever about mm -hmm. going with the speed boost um you know there'll there'll be different things that come up with uh, different teams similar to this and uh yeah I can't wait to to figure you know new things out in in regard to this well I again strategy. I me too I I appreciate <laughs> you know assault as a game mode I might not like to play it but I love I love watching it because it feels like it's it's so diverse and, and can be so right. you know creatively uh, acted upon. Um, right. But as we're kind of winding down the interview, I like to give um, the the subject you know the, the, my my tiny tiny soapbox to kind of talk about anything that they um, want to mention before we close out the show, or just to kind of give any shout outs to anybody and uh, uh, their supporters or maybe. So again, uh, this last couple minutes are yours uh, to ramble without being interrupted by me. Okay, well, um, I guess I can do a little bit of uh, shout-outs. Sure. Um, so, thanks to my uh, team, my supporters, uh, and all the previous uh, players that I've coached. Um, obviously, I wouldn't be here without them. Uh, and, you know, like, uh, again, anybody who used to watch my stream and stuff like this, obviously I can't stream during the season. I mean, I can, but uh, I really want to focus during the season. But, um, yeah, I want to thank them as well. For, you know supporting me back then and even now like sometimes i see them in the ch i see my emotes some of my emotes are ooh, you know they're like very very creepy so one of them is just like my giant face and i see that in the contender shed i'm like oh, oh no 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 no, no, no. no. 
no. But uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. I just want to thank them all for the support. And um, yeah, we play uh, Boston Uprising this week, and on Monday it will be the first match of the day, and you can see our match there. Any predictions? Are we gonna crush them? Any predictions? Uh, I, yeah. We, I I think so. I think so. But um, obviously, you know, there's a curse. The the curse rate, right? like, <laughs> you know, if somebody it says to get uh, body. Yeah. The smash yeah. Ball. And then and then suddenly, boom! You know, like yeah. they crash and burn. You know, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it should be. Interesting. Interesting. I, again, you know, uh, a lot of the the Overwatch community has been. Right. Maybe I've maybe I've just gotten lucky and had some amazing guests. Um, I definitely would love to have you back on. Um, awesome. It's been it's been a blast. Hopefully this hasn't been too too terribly boring. Um, no, no. That's good. That's good. Um, but this <laughs> has been episode fifteen of Delve Further. Um, follow the socials under Kareshat's face. You'll have his Twitter. Go definitely follow him and support Mayhem Academy. I think they've been doing some amazing work from a team that's. You know, not look super great last season to a team that's <laughs> leading the pack with a crazy, crazy map differential. I think, you know, they've put in a ton of, of, of work and effort, and it, and it shows, right? Um, so definitely go show them some love. Follow me on the YouTubes and the Anchor and the podcasting, all that good stuff. And uh, until uh, I decided to do episode 16, I'll, I'll see you then. I'm not going to hold myself to a date. You get it when you get it, kids, okay? So we'll, we'll see you in episode